Hey Branches, it's Colin, and it's Sunday, February 25th. So we're gathering for worship today. Maybe you've already heard my sermon on this text today. So I'm curious to see what I came up with as I'm recording this in advance. Or maybe you're listening to this before you make it to church this morning. Wherever you are, we're glad that you're listening today as we continue in Mark's gospel and we wrap up chapter five. You would initially read these two stories of two miraculous healings that Jesus does as two separate things, but they're intentionally put together and really a genius storytelling move by Mark in this gospel. There's some really uh, wonderful parallels between uh, this story and its retelling in Matthew and Luke. And we also just get some insight into who Jesus is again and, and who he is for people and who he is for marginalized people. Two women, one young, one diseased and ritually impure, and how his physical touch, his proximity to them brings wholeness to them really unseen and unheard of in Jesus's time. And that's where we're finding ourselves today on this Sunday in Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 21, and then going to uh, verse 43. I'm glad that you're listening today. So hear this from Mark's gospel in chapter 5. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. So he went with him. And a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had, and she was no better but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus, came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she said, If I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately, her hemorrhage stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you. How can you say who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said to her daughter, Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he entered, he said to them, Why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. And he took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age. At this, they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. The first thing I want you to note is Mark does this a lot, where he kind of sandwiches two stories together. I, I know there's probably a more technical term than sandwiching, like narrative framing or something like that, but, but Mark kind of pairs stories together. And here he interrupts an overall story of the healing of Jairus' daughter with the healing of this woman who has a flow of blood or here in NRSV is hemorrhaging. Now, a detail you should see, maybe you already noticed it, is that the little girl, Jairus' daughter, is the same age 
as the woman who's bleeding as her disease. We see the story in Matthew 9 and in Luke 8, uh, and it's told in a couple of different ways. But here in uh, Mark's gospel, we see Jairus, who we hear is one of the leaders of the synagogue. Um, the, the words literally here, and I owe, I owe this explanation really helpful to me to Bobby Williamson uh, as a professor at Hendricks, where I went to college and also one of the hosts of the, the Bible worm podcast. I recommend you listen to that episode. It's on the, the resources page of our Mark website on the branches website that this idea of the leader of the synagogue is he wasn't a rabbi and he wasn't a scribe or a Pharisee. He was more like, if we want to do one-to-one comparison with church life, a sort of a lay leader. He was one of the kind of important, kind of faithful people that were part of the synagogue. So he was an important guy. And so people around in this crowd, they probably knew who he was. And it's kind of this wonder that he falls at Jesus's feet in submission. Remember just yesterday, we saw somebody else fall to Jesus's feet and it was a demoniac. It was a, a, a crazy man from a cave on the outside of town, falls at Jesus's feet and names who Jesus is. Jesus kind of has this universal effect on people. Even this powerful man, this important man, Jairus, falls at Jesus' feet. And so he goes with him. And then interrupting this story, Jesus has this large crowd. He's gaining more attention, more people know who he is. He's telling some people to, to share who he is. He's telling other people to keep it secret. Nonetheless, people are hearing about him. And this woman, we kind of get her interior life a little bit. We kind of try to see what what she's thinking. She thinks, you know, even if I can just get near the guy, even if I can just, just touch his clothes, I could be healed. We kind of get a, a laundry list of what she's gone through. She's been hemorrhaging. She's been bleeding for 12 years. Now, without getting into too much detail, this would have made her in the Jewish world, in Jewish circles, ritually impure. She wasn't allowed to be in the worship space. Other people certainly weren't allowed to physically touch her with their hands. She endured much under many physicians. This is apparently a really uh, common criticism in the first century, a common criticism of physicians, of doctors, uh, that she'd been to see all of them. None of them could help. And she spent all that she had. I mean, nothing has really changed from the first century till now. Uh, Healthcare is incredibly expensive. And she spent everything, still no change. And it didn't even get better. Again, that's the end of the list. Uh, It didn't get better. It's actually gotten worse, even with any of the treatment, the money she spent, the doctor she's seen. And it's been like this for 12 years. She's desperate for Jesus' help. Jairus is desperate for Jesus' help. The uh, demon-possessed man, the man who's possessed by the legion of demons, he's desperate for Jesus' help. And there's apparently a common belief then for this woman that any sort of holy person, a holy teacher, a miracle worker like Jesus, a wonder worker, a healing person like Jesus, just touching his clothes and kind of like a magical object would make her well again. Jesus says to her, though, your faith has made you well. Her bleeding stops, she notices. He notices that he's been touched and some power has gone out of him, which is a really odd and unique description in Mark. And he says, your faith has made you well. Again, and I've been harping on this. It's like a broken record, but I want you to notice. uh, Faith for Jesus is a person's persistence, at least for Mark's Jesus. Faith for Mark's Jesus is a person who who kind of in their last ditch effort, step out and, and ask for help or reach or grasp for help. And Jesus says, that's what's made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. This woman has been doubly outcast. She's probably poor, or at least we know she spent everything she has. Uh, first century wasn't uh, uh, first century Palestine wasn't a kind environment for women for the most part. 
And she also has this ritually impure aspect to her. This doubly, maybe even triply outcast woman interrupts Jesus' response to a powerful person, and Jesus responds, or at least lets her be healed by just touching his cloak, and then sees her, notices her. I think that's important for us to see as well. Then the interruption is kind of done, and Jesus makes his way to Jairus' house, and it seems like it's a foregone conclusion. You're too late. You stopped for this woman who didn't deserve your help. This important man's daughter is dead. And Jesus, I kind of read it with some sarcasm, or it's kind of sly. He says, oh, don't worry. She's not dead. She's asleep. Paul in the New Testament kind of talks about death in this way too. In Ephesians 5.14 or 1 Thessalonians 5.10, death is like being asleep. I think it says something about the ease with which Jesus is able to raise somebody from the dead. Again, the wonder that Jesus is able to do any of this at all draws people's attention. It's not a casual thing, though, because Jesus says, no one should know about this. There's just so many weird details we get in this story, like tell her to get something to eat. Like she, she was dead. She's alive. She's probably hungry. But I think what we should really notice in the story are these two stories, this kind of thread together picture of two 12-year-old deaths, two 12-year-old diseases, two 12-year-old kind of punctuation marks in the life of two important image-bearing people, two women, is that Jesus pays attention, Jesus touches, Jesus draws close, and the ease with which Jesus transforms the situation. I'm just in awe like the people in this story are in awe of Jesus. I'm challenged by Jesus kind of seeing people who are unseen, who is bringing off the margins and encircling people who are on the margins, who is with ease giving new life to dead things. I hope that you're full of wonder by this story as well. I hope you see that the failure of the physicians for this woman who's been bleeding for 12 years, that the great physician, the one who makes all things new, is able to make her whole again. I hope you have faith like the hemorrhaging woman, that you you in your last ditch effort, on the last kind of shred of your faith, just give it all to being close to, being healed by, or transformed by Jesus. Thanks for listening today. Hope you continue to enjoy your reading of the Gospel of Mark. And especially on this Sunday, on this Sabbath day where we worship together, I hope you feel the presence, the peace, the love, the healing, the transformation of the great physician. Thanks for listening.